Listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. If you are a regular member of our Dead Studio audience, you will have heard that we are taking a little bit of a break, going on a brief, very brief hiatus to record new episodes. Content, as they call it these days, that's what everybody calls it. It's content. Gotta have content, gotta be something to fill the void. There must be content, the show must go on, and it will. But I thought instead of just playing one of our world-famous commercials to tide you over, I'd come and talk about something briefly. This isn't going to be a whole long, big, real show. I guess we can call it a mini-episode or something like that. But The Northman just came out, and since I saw it twice, I thought, hey, what would hurt with doing a brief spoiler-free, you heard that right, spoiler-free, Review? I guess it's not going to be really a review. I got some thoughts on it. I'm going to share my thoughts with you. And I'll be completely transparent and honest with every single one of you out there in Radio Land. We will be doing a full episode on this. In fact, I would like to do a whole Robert Eggers extravaganza. (laughs) Extravaganza. I'd like to do The Witch. I'd like to do The Lighthouse. And in good time, a full episode on The Northman. But the movie just premiered, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I enjoyed it, and I'd like to, before I go off the deep end, just get to the cliff and stand looking over the edge, teetering back and forth before we really take the deep dive. I'd like for people to be able to see the movie and it resonate and ruminate a little bit before we go off the cliff. But before that, first things fucking last, let's talk about Death by DVD for a second. What is going on with Death by DVD? We're just taking a little bit of a break. There's nothing serious going on. Everyone's fine, happy, and okay. Well, I don't know about happy, but everyone's fine and okay. A brief explanation, even though I've already explained before. We formerly recorded each episode as it was due, so each week, sometimes even a day or two before they needed to come out, which really makes the process that comes after recording miserable and doesn't give time for anything else to really happen. And we're not happy with that. We're not going to do it that way anymore. And I know if you listen to Death by DVD every week, and you have, which some people have been around for all 12 years, this is an annoyance. But hey, I'd like to point out, in 2016, we actually only had one episode the whole year. Yeah, one episode. Pretty sure it was on Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) 
don't think it'll take long, but I can't really cross that T or dot those I's yet because we're we're coming up with new ideas. We have some series that we want to do. Last year we began doing complete movie series. We did Phantasm, we did Star Trek, and we had a, a couple more that were on the, the burner last year to do that we never got to, so we're going to continue on with that. Of course, Milligan Madness... <laughs> Death by DVD's Wild Wild West. The Video Nasties A through Z with Death by DVD. And Philosophy of the Dead will be returning this year. And some of our old live staples, I'm pretty sure, are gonna come back maybe at least one time. We had a game show we used to play on the live version of Death by DVD, and I, Alexander Nash, and myself have been talking about bringing that back for a couple final rounds. Maybe, maybe we might be able to get some other people involved to play with us. And essentially, if you weren't around for that era, if you don't remember those, we just played Jeopardy. with movie trivia, and we called it King of the Basement. So that, maybe, more than likely, will have a resurgence. Might not be now, might be closer to the end of the year. True crime, pretty sure. I got, I got one in me. I got one I'm working on right now, so I'm hoping that... Whole year ahead of me right now. I'm hoping I'll be able to get another true crime special for you. We will have some guests this year, and... We'll have some new voices that will regularly be appearing along with myself on Death by DVD, so that's exciting. For the first time in this show's history, there will be someone other than I, Alexander Nash, Hank the World's Greatest, and myself, Harry Scott Sullivan, behind the microphone. And honestly, at that point, who the fuck knows what else the year will bring? I do have a Q&A episode planned that will be coming out during the midst of this off time. But if you have questions that you would like to be read on the show, you can go ahead and email them to deathbydvd at deathbydvd.com. You can go to deathbydvd.com. If you scroll to the bottom, there's a little place that you can send us messages. There's also a chat feature on the website you can send us messages to. And, of course, social media, Facebook, it's Death by DVD, Twitter, Death by DVD, and Instagram, believe it or not, it is Death by DVD. You can reach out and touch death at any given time. You are just one tap away. Follow us, and who knows, maybe we'll even follow you. So, okay, I think I covered all my bases there, and of course, I'd probably repeat myself at the end of the show... But let's talk about the Northmen. I think we've moderately talked about Robert Eggers on this program before, on an episode that I'm sure sounds like a 1992 black metal record. I don't think he's gotten a lot of coverage aside from... Uh, me just bringing up over and over and over again. I really like him. I really like that guy. I call him the Eggman. So if you go back through old episodes and you hear me referencing the Eggman, I'm talking about Robert Eggers. He's he's really one of my favorite artists right now. And I say right now because things are so situational. If you've been a fan of Death by DVD for a while, you'll remember a couple years ago. I was really, really obsessed with Jeremy Saulnier. And and for all the right reasons, he's he's a beautiful artist. I still think he's one of the the most charismatic, beautiful guys out there. His his artistic vision is great. 
his photography is just to die for. I think everything about the guy is great. But uh, over time, things kind of waned with me. I'm, I'm a very, very, very big fan. I think my favorite, favorite thing that he's ever done is Green... Uh, it's not Green Room. I don't know why I said Green Room. It's not. It's Murder Party. <laughs> it's not Green Room. It's Murder Party. And Blue Ruin probably after that, then Green Room. And then he did... Um, fucking doing a movie podcast here and I can't even tell you the name of the movie. He did some other work after that and he worked on True Detective and it, it's not that I've lost interest but at the same time I have lost interest. There's, I don't emote well enough with his new work. It doesn't catch me. It's all it's all vis very visually attractive but so far so far from his first film to now Robert Eggers has, has really just enchanted me. I know with The Witch, there's there's a, a big line down the middle. People either love it or they hate it. And I think it's an interesting movie. I, I've, I've always felt it seemed a little incomplete to me, and I, it's interesting seeing, I don't know where I'm quoting, I read somewhere, so I'm blindly quoting without proof, that Eggers isn't very fond of that film because he didn't have a lot of his strength as a, as a creator, as an artist at that point. A lot of the things that were in his mind didn't make it on screen. Eh, it's fine. It's still a beautiful picture. And like I said, we certainly will be doing an excellent Eggers extravaganza. I don't think I said egg enough, an extravaganza. An excellent Eggers extravaganza. There we go. You gotta get the egg. You gotta really umph it. So I'll talk about all these movies in detail, and hey, maybe I won't be alone on those episodes. I have no idea. I don't know what my fate is for those. So in time, I'll, I'll deep dive into The Witch. The Lighthouse was really it for me, that, that tone-wise... The whole aesthetic of the movie, how it was shot, the, the blaring, booming soundtrack. Driller Killer it was really pivotal for me at the beginning of Driller Killer. You've got this title card that says this picture needs to be played loud, and that's that's the lighthouse. I mean, it it really and it it's it, this is a a strange stretch, and I need to remember this for when I go in depth and talk about the lighthouse someday. There are a, a great deal of similarities between Abel Ferrara's Driller Killer and Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. In fact, those two movies are almost perfect for each other, and I might have come up with a double feature episode you'll be hearing sometime soon on Death by DVD. And then, The Northman. Very big difference. His first movie, three to four million dollars. His second movie, nine to ten million dollars. And this is a 70 to 90 million dollar ballpark. Big production. And I want to go back to something I said at the beginning of this. That I want to get to the edge of the cliff. And we're going to teeter. And we're going to totter. And we're going to look down. But we're never going to actually make that jump. So don't get your hopes up. I don't want to talk about the plot of this movie. No. You want to know what it's about? Fucking Hamlet. Or more appropriately, the Scandinavian legend Amleth which some people like to politely say is the basis of Hamlet or Billy Shakes stole it. That's a whole fucking episode for another day. Doesn't matter. It's a very, very basic story. And it doesn't matter because we're not going to talk about it. To remain spoiler-free, you are stuck 
with my thoughts, and that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. I already said I really liked it, so what's left? Why is this dragging on so long? I would say The Northman in its entirety and its whole is a five-star movie, but what I got to see, what I've experienced, I saw the movie twice theatrically, and it it's a four-star, maybe four-and-a-half-star movie. It's been beaten up pretty badly, and I just don't understand that. You've got the Batman running at two hours, 56 minutes, and then you've got Ridley Scott's The Last Duel running at two hours, 32 minutes. The Northman, a measly two hours, 17 minutes, and it's visible that there are just atrocious cuts in this movie. It's not Robert Eggers. This has nothing to do with him. This apparently has been an issue the entire time that Eggers has a definitive cut. He had a vision, clearly. If you've seen his other two movies, I think it's fairly obvious to judge and say that when he sets out to make something, he kind of knows what he's fucking doing. You know, you just don't go out to an island and build a fucking lighthouse and not really have a plan on what you're doing. So the guy is calculated, and he's gorgeous. His calculation is cold, it's, it's very precise, very logical, despite the things that he shows you in his movies being illogical. Or are they really, if you just think about it? That's also something beautiful about his films, is they're always open to multiple interpretations. There is no right, there is no wrong. But Robert has been facing his studio that wants a movie that is much more action-packed and not all this story, not all this drama, and that it's, it's a Viking epic. And I guess you would imagine Viking epics being a lot of war and a lot of destruction, but what makes the story is the pacing, and it's, it's all messed up. Watching this, it's all messed up. You can tell where things are drastically cut, and time suddenly just it becomes nothing in this movie. You can feel... As it begins, especially, that this is supposed to have a very slow pace, and it's going to build with an anticipatory factor that's going to keep you itching and itching and itching until finally you get to that point, and it explodes in this beautiful, Vaugarian-esque opera. It, it, it in itself is all very operatic, and that is a... a, a apt reference of me to bring up Wagner, because I think it comes from a place like that. I think it really does come from... A storm that is brewing emotionally and you have to travel through that the entire time and you begin this journey and it just gets choppy you go from point A to point C to point D and then other things are referenced certain characters don't seem to matter and it's very very obvious that everything you're questioning was uh, available was shot does exist and I question why a three-hour cut of this movie wasn't released uh, and it's it's bureaucracy there's so much bullshit behind who gets to do what why does Ridley Scott get to make a two hour and 32 minute movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck jousting well they don't joust each other but Matt Damon and Adam Driver joust each other well the answer to that is because he's fucking Ridley Scott and it's true he's Ridley Scott he, he can pretty much do whatever the fuck he wants to whether it be good or bad <clears throat> cough 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 Prometheus <clears throat> cough 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 alien covenant and I'm not going to shit on The Last Duel. I'm, I, what I'm ranting about here are runtimes. I, to be honest with you, enjoyed The Last Duel. What really blew my mind is motherfucking Affleck, man. He he was great. The bleached hair was at first, oh man, they M&M'd up Ben Affleck to play a French lord. This is a weird choice. But uh, he acted his dick off in that movie. The accent wasn't bad. Fuck you. Judge me. I liked the accent. I was more annoyed that Matt Damon was the lead in that picture. Because Ben Affleck could do a fucking accent. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I would have switched roles. But forever, I guess, let it be known, Affleck is the bomb.
and not just in Phantoms. Friday, shit, does it say who's fucking playing us in the movie? No, but it's Miramax, so I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Who? You know, those kids from uh, Good Will Hunting. You mean that fucking movie with Mork from Ork in it? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. But Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Word, bitch, Phantoms like a motherfucker. What's up now? Uh, all right. It was a fine movie. It told, I guess, a two-hour and 32-minute movie. If something needed to be cut, though, The Last Duel, there was just a lot of bullshit. And with The Last Duel, I get it. You know, Ridley's doing his whole Ross Shaman thing. I know that there is another source material for The Last Duel, but that's what it was, and it got drawn out because of those reasons, but so much of that movie was tedious to go through. I can't comment on The Batman yet, and this following statement might piss some people off, but... I'm gonna say some things you might not like, and I'm gonna curse, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. I'm fucking tired of Batman movies in general. I've not seen The Batman, and I want to sit down, and I want to watch it. Obviously, if I like The Lighthouse, I like Robert Pattinson, and it has nothing to do with him. I'm just fucking tired of Batman movies. I don't know what new can be brought to the story of Batman that we keep building and building and building and building. And this also isn't an argument about, well, we need more original content. My gripe is the runtimes. It's perfectly acceptable to have a two hour and 56 fucking minute Batman movie, but the Northman got just butchered. Now, I don't know if this story's true, and I don't know how correct it is, but what I heard is that it's been an argument from the very beginning. Eggers sent them a cut. They said, fuck no. So he made another cut. They said, ah. He made another cut, and that's where they're at right now. I don't know the truth. It's all internet rumors. I don't know what the actual runtime of this movie is, but I will be completely honest with you, and if it was three hours and 45 minutes, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If it was four hours straight, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's the artistry and the craftsmanship and the story that's being told and the emotion behind the story that is being told. But arriving at the theater, sitting down and watching this movie, I, I found the... I found for me the biggest problems is it's it's obvious it's on screen that there was so much more and there is so much more depth to what we are seeing and there is a, a great deal of emotion on screen it's present and it's beautiful you get wrapped into the story and you start feeling the pain when the punches are thrown the punches are thrown you feel them as well as everyone else that's in the situation Anya Taylor-Joy even though she hardly seems to appear on screen in this cut Alexander Skarsgård Nicole Kidman they're all just absolutely electric. There's a young actor in this movie, I believe Elliot Rose, just amazing performances. Bjork, you don't really get to see a lot of that, and that's where this relies me back to my problems and my, what I'm attempting to have is briefity. I know that's not a fucking word. The movie feels drastically incomplete. And what makes it hard as a viewer and to an extent a critic is the understanding behind this and, and just knowing in my heart of hearts watching this movie, this is not what was intended to be presented to us on screen. This is not the full picture. There is so much lacking from this. And it, it really was heartbreaking to me. I saw it again. I saw it the second time. In fact, as of the recording of this episode, I saw it today. And, it's, and, and that's mostly where my mind settled. I was heavily focusing on and watching where things just jumped, and you could tell that there was so much more development. It's very clear that this story has much more to offer, and I hope at some point... 
I know on home video, uh, director's cuts and things like that, a Blu-ray version of this movie will have the complete, if it's seven hours, the complete Robert Eggers-approved version. But theatrically, the shame of it all is that's what needs to be seen. I don't know what the problem is. If it was a 14-part miniseries that was released on Netflix, people would have no problem sitting down and absolutely eating that up and going through the entire thing. But you put a four-hour film in a movie theater and people just are baffled by it. I don't know what to do. What if I have to piss? I don't know, fucking get up and go to the bathroom. But that's just me. But at the same time, I think The New Land, the, the 1972 Swedish movie, it's kind of short. So what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know anything. Though if you watch The New Land with the immigrants, that's kind of beefy. And I'm not trying to start some gripe like the whole David Lynch thing, how he wants to make a 24-hour long movie, which he kind of did with Twin Peaks Season 3. Especially since he seems fairly adamant about the fact that you need to watch Season 3 all 18 hours in one sitting. It's the only way to really get it. I haven't even done that yet. I probably will, though. Someday over the rainbow. But it's just a bother. It's strange to me that you can have Batman on one hand and there's no problem with the length of that movie. So what the fuck? Why was the Northman cut? And if it was an artistic thing, that would make sense. That would be fine. Okay, well, the director sat down and they decided to do this. It's their vision. But that's not the cards that are on the table and that's not the truth to be told when it comes to the situation. Visually, as an artist, I think Eggers is, is growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and whatever he ends up doing after this is just going to be like an atomic bomb going off. It's just going to be devastating and huge and massive, shockingly beautiful and horrifying at the same time. And everything he's done has, has encompassed that. This being the largest production that he's handled so far, I think it's clear with studios that you could throw $300 million at Robert Eggers and he's going to deliver something, but it needs to be done his way. The bureaucracy behind studios is baffling to me as to, well, this is what's going to get a good release, this is what's going to get a better release. Especially doing this as a limited release, why not fucking make it the full three hours then? Both showings I went to were nearly empty, and I'm sure the people that were there would have sat through the three-hour movie regardless. And I, I'm just hypothesizing, I don't know what his original runtime is, there could be four extra minutes in this movie that were cut out, I don't know. Well, I can't really say that. Watch The Northman, you can see it. You see, what I do is, I, as I go back and I step on my own toes, I try to be a nice guy, yeah, I can't say that, yeah, I can. I can fucking say that. It's visual, it's there, and I, I, I guess I'm being, what do they call it? What do the kids say these days? You're being a simp. I'm being a simp. I'm a Robert Eggers simp. Fuck that bully studio. 
They're bullying my man. They're, they're pushing Robert Eggers into a corner and nobody puts baby into a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. There'll be a Blu-ray. There will be some supreme release where everyone can sit down and watch the experience, but it won't be as loud. It won't be 60 feet tall. I've bitched about this before, but sometimes movies are made to be seen in a very specific format, and a lot of the magic, a lot of the experience is stripped away. The Lighthouse. I hate watching that movie at home. It needs to be played extremely goddamn loud. It needs to be in your face. The film itself is as much emotion of what you're seeing as what you're hearing. The soundtrack to that is very, very important. It's not as strong in this movie. In fact, I, I kind of thought it was funny while watching it. We got a Skarsgård in this, and you got a Skarsgård in Dune. That There's a lot of throat singing vibes, a lot of similarities, and it's only with uh, the tones of the film. If you've heard the Death by DVD episodes about Dune, you'll hear Alexander Nash and myself both complain about the color palette of that movie. That it, it's, I know, it's about a desert, but it was so fucking beige. They, they went brown with it, all right. And I know, on one hand, it makes sense. Well, it's a desert. Shouldn't it be brown? There's a lot of other stuff going on. You could have focused on other things instead of making it drab and... In this situation, there's a lot of brown, but there are so many beautiful earth tones. I was enchanted with the depictions of, I mean, it's, it's, I say depictions, like they, they hired an actor to do it, but the sky, and, and so many shots of this movie, they managed to catch this, these beautiful, long, winding sequences of the sky, and everything seems to fit with the emotional tone as to what's happening. It's dark and gray, it's blue, it's bright and hopeful, stormy seas and cloudy weather, etc. Yada, yada, yada. And that brings us to the artistic proportion of this movie. If you've seen The Lighthouse especially, Robert Eggers has a beautiful way of taking classical, I guess you could call historic art, and bringing it to life in his films. And this is no different. There is just a lot of Vulgarian. I don't know if that's a term, but I'm gonna fucking use it anyhow. A lot of Vulgarian essence in this movie. It's just very rich. It's very full of life. And it's very full of a primordial life also, which makes it just so much more enticing because yes, CGI and computer-generated graphics are used in a movie like this, but so much of it is the natural earth, so much of it is Iceland, so much of it is Europe, and it's just gorgeous and stunning to see this kind of... I don't know, for a moment you, you have this glimpse into the past where you can really close your eyes and imagine it, and imagine the beauty before electronics, before the, the industry boom and smog and smoke and coal and oil and gasoline ruined the world. It's a movie that has smell, it's a movie that has taste, it, it is very, very rich with its craftsmanship, and it's, it's, I just really like Robert Eggers himself because of his ability to do this. I mean, I think he could make a movie about a bored librarian that nothing happens but they fall asleep at their desk all day, and he could manage to give it a tone, a smell, a taste, a richness that is, is, is not derivative, and I'm not, 
trying to say the Batman is derivative and the the last duel. It's well, yeah, that is a little derivative. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna fucking lie to you, people. That one was a little derivative. Not a bad picture though. I didn't I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching it, which is important. When you get to the end of a movie and you feel like, well, fuck, I could have been doing something else, then the art didn't affect you, and you could in fact have been doing something more productive, probably. But I didn't find an issue with that. I I I, I was entertained by the movie. I really like. I said I liked Affleck. And I give the guy a hard time, but I, I love Ridley Scott. Alien, Aliens, more of a James Cameron fan, but Alien, you know, the, the, the granddaddy of them all. But God, that even opens a can of worm here because it, uh, Ridley Scott, yeah, he is responsible for Alien, but Dan O'Bannon, and there's so many other people, and uh, I've been saying for a long time, we'll, we'll spill the beans a little bit here. Watch you spill your beans. I'm gonna do a Dan O'Bannon episode. We did, here's one for you to go back and check out. We did a Dark Star episode. That's a great movie. Dan O'Bannon, John Carpenter. It is the future. Mankind has conquered the stars. He moves out to the endless interstellar reaches of the universe. An advanced exploration corps. A new breed of pioneer must seek out unstable planets and destroy them. The drive sequence begun. Hit it, pin back. And you are on the mission of the 21st century planet smashers. Dark Star. 20 years in space, 1 million light years from Earth. Their job is to clear a path for the colonization of space. Back home, back home in Malibu. I used to surf a lot, Talby. I used to be a great surfer. Travel in an infinite universe with mind-melting excitement from beyond the stars. Dark star. They're not lost in space. They're loose. I did a Dark Star episode. I don't remember who. Somebody asked if I would do a whole Dan O'Bannon episode. I'm, I'm, we're working on that. We're working on that. I'm working on that. I speak as if there's some little mouse in my pocket, but... There's stuff on the way. But yeah. The Northman. Four and a half. Four stars. In my heart, in my head, it's a five-star movie. I just haven't seen the stuff that makes it a five-star movie. I know it's there. I'm hopeful I'll see it. I'm hopeful we'll all see it. And then, you know, the only other thing I, I, I while I'm complaining here, that I can think about is I, I don't feel this movie should have been in English. And it just came off as a little bit of a downer. If Mel Gibson can manage to get people to learn some 3,000-year-old absolutely dead language to make a movie about nailing some guy to a dogwood tree, I feel like the studio should have allowed Robert Eggers to do that in this situation. And it's the same thing I've been harping about the whole time. He wanted to do it. This movie is longer 
It is not two hours and 16 minutes. There's a longer version of this movie, but it's been changed. He was forced to cut it by the studio, and he definitely did not want to make this movie in plain old English. And I think it would have been a lot more interesting. But I, I feel like I'm an odd man out here. I don't know how many people are, are avidly yelling and picketing, Yeah, we need a four-hour-long movie that's in an 800-year-old Viking language nobody hardly speaks anymore. Put that in theaters. I know. I know. But you are listening to my show, so you're going to have to fucking deal with that now, aren't you? I said I would remain spoiler-free and share my thoughts on The Northman, and it looks like that's what I've done. It's a stunning picture. If you can see it by the time you hear this, please do see it big, see it loud, take the opportunity, spend a couple hours, enjoy yourself. Unfortunately, here in Anytown, USA, it won't be showing after Thursday, and I don't know if that's nationwide or not, but go to your local draft house, find it, see it. Sometimes it's just an experience to see something big, to see it bold, to see it loud. And for me a little bit, sometimes seeing movies in theaters are like seeing bands. You know, you miss a band that tours and the drummer dies a few months later and you kick yourself in the head. I could have seen that band, I could have seen that band. And that kicks around my head. Sometimes you only have one chance to see a movie big and blown up, loud and proud. So, don't sleep on it. Take the dive, take the chance. But I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. And I know this wasn't very fun. I think I mostly just complained and bitched. But it's a little mini episode, little tiny feller. Mm-hmm, tiny feller. Mm. And I will be leaving you with one of our world-famous commercials. Be sure to check in with us next week. We will have something every single week until new episodes are readily available for you at www.deathbydvd.com. And of course, that's not the only place that you can listen to Death by DVD. You can find us all over. In fact, nearly everywhere podcasts can be found. Just search for Death by DVD, Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, everywhere. And if you're not listening to Death by DVD, you could be listening to Doom Generation Podcast. Psst. Hey, you! Wanna get doomed? I'm Tessa. And I'm Nicole, and we have a spanking new podcast for your ear holes called Doom Generation. Listen in as two foul mouth biddies have an always casual, often comedic. What? I think we're funny. And sometimes chaotic conversation about the things that doomed us to be who we are today. Take a trip with us down nostalgia lane, and we'll try not to veer off the road. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Doom Generation Pod and on Twitter at Doom Gen Pod. Later, Doomers! Alright, we've reached the end of this little dance. Thanks for dancing with me. And remember to check in next week. We'll have something. I'm not sure what, but we'll have something. I don't know what I gave you. I don't know if I left you with anything, anything to think about. Uh, this guy really fucking wants four-hour-long movies by Robert Eggers. I think that's the moral of the story. I don't want really long movies in general. I just want really long movies by one specific guy. Yep. That's it. That was it. That's, yeah, I think that's everything that I had to say. So keep in mind, keep it close to your heart, Death by DVD will be back. We'll be returning soon with a cavalcade of full extravagant, excellent episodes coming soon. Remember to follow us on social media, like and share. It helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, remind them to choose Death by DVD.
every episode available at www.deathbydvd.com. And remember, you must choose your fate. If life is a nightmare, then you must wake up. The ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. You have been listening to Dirty Harry Sullivan. Until next time, pleasant tomorrows. turkey done? It smells great. It sure is. I had to get up at 3 a.m. to start cooking, but it sure seems to smell like it was worth it. Yeah. Remember last year? We didn't even get to try the turkey because of Cousin Jesse. I really thought rehab would have helped him, but he seems worse now than ever. Well, we won't have to worry about that this year. Really? Yes, I made a turkinol just for Cousin Jesse. Wait, what? Isn't that where they stuff a turkey with a duck and a chicken? No, silly. Turkinol, it's the turkey that will save the holidays. Turkinol! <laughs> the turkey that saved the holidays. Nearly everyone knows a person suffering from the opioid epidemic. And boy, howdy, doesn't nothing ruin the holidays more than a cousin, uncle, brother, sister, significant other, or child whacked out on crack, smack, whack, puff, spun, wazoos, whackers, wigglers, Sacagawea gold, the old giggle sticks. Now, you can have that silly cousin Jesse nodding off on the couch with Uncle Dan, but it won't be the tryptophan that's got Jesse down for the count. It's tranquilizers. Sweet, sweet tranquilizers. Tons and tons of tranquilizers. Each Turkinol is stuffed full of the very same tranquilizers Hollywood doctors use on Mel Gibson when he becomes enraged over women being able to vote and people of color. Talk to your healthcare provider today about a prescription for Turkinol and save the holidays. Wow. Tranquilizers, huh? I wouldn't mind a little piece of that myself. Oh, you. I seriously hope, though, your, your cousin Jesse doesn't overdose in the bathroom again. The kids aren't okay. They're they're really upset about it. They don't. I still don't know what to tell them. It's been a year. 
And while we're on the subject, I don't like Uncle Dave being alone with the little girls. I, you know, there's everyone in the family says something about him and rumors like that. They, they just don't start, and I just don't think he needs to be around them on the holidays. It's just one of those things. You know? Turkinol, new from Deathco. <laughs> DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. from on top of the Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. 